0: Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks Podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, it's okay. You're addicted to Dynasty, and I am too. My name's Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak. It's a freak with two E's, it's a long explanation. Anyways, I love the NFL. I watch every game every week. I love drafting, trading, scouting, managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some dynasty. Here's what we have in store today on episode number 66. It's our weekly podcast. It's just our review of the previous week in the NFL. Week number eight is in the books. And they were really, uh, looking back at the year, or the week rather, um, I, saw, I thought there were a few surprise anomalies based on statistics and film that have really changed some of my opinions on players and their situations. And so I'm going to go over some of my overall impressions like I do every week, talk a little bit about uh, some players that I was targeting on the waiver wire this week, mention some key injuries, and then also discuss several trades that were made in the leagues that I'm a part of. So let's get started. We start always with my top five observations from week number eight. First is that a surprise rookie quarterback has moved ahead of the pack. So nine quarterbacks were drafted ahead of Gardner Minshew in the 2019 NFL Draft, and no one drafted him on our rookie fantasy rookie drafts. I don't know about you, but I never saw him get drafted in our rookie drafts. But he's now the only rookie with, um, he or he's the rookie, not only the rookie with the most average points. He's uh, number 13 quarterback overall in average points per game. He had his best fantasy game of the season last week, scoring 30 fantasy points. I just like watching him. Uh, he's extremely poised under pressure. He looks like a veteran player already. He is incredibly safe with the ball, having thrown thirteen touchdowns and only two interceptions. I think that's only second to uh, Aaron Russell Wilson in his average. Maybe, maybe Aaron Rodgers as well. Thirteen to two, though—that's incredible, especially for a rookie. Uh, Plus, he's just remarkably, uh, remarkably consistent. He's scoring about twenty points per game, except for one poor week that he had in week seven. And so, he's really the surprise rookie of the year in our uh, fantasy, in our top kind of fan. Fantasy uh, Dynasty prospect. I hope that you're able to pick him up. After week one, I was able to do so in one league at least. Um, I wasn't smart enough to do so in my other leagues, but I'm glad that I have him in at least one. Hope that you were too. Um, This doesn't mean he's going to be better ultimately um, than uh, Daniel Jones or than Murray with Arizona, but you have to say as of right now, this last week he actually passed Murray for average points, and so he is the top-rated rookie quarterback second thing that I noticed in uh, particularly in watching the film is that two stud running backs can't be stopped even if their teams can be stopped Uh, I'm talking about Cleveland and Carolina they both got hammered this last week were defeated by New England and San Francisco respectively Uh, but even so Christian McCaffrey and Nick Chubb cannot be held down they're still producing fantasy points and looked awesome on film Chubb's unfortunate fumbles on back-to-back plays that was pretty crazy hurt his fantasy day, but if, if you just get beyond seeing those statistics and just watch, it, he's just such a great runner. His second fumble, in fact, if you didn't know, was on an incredible 50-yard run where he was just dodging and weaving all through the line, and so good. He's so fun to watch. He's got excellent balance. He keeps his feet really well, and he's just great at kind of squeezing through holes. He's one of my favorite players to watch, and equally fun to watch is Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he, he's like game script proof because of his proficiency in the passing game, so The 49ers just couldn't, they could not keep him from scoring 28 fantasy points, uh, largely due to a good 40-yard touchdown run that he had. He's just so excellent at setting up tacklers, making them miss. He's a precise route runner with great hands. He's one of the most favorite players to watch. So these two guys are awesome, even when their teams get killed. And so they are definitely among the top five uh, dynasty backs, in my opinion. Third thing that I noticed from this week is that half the teams in our leagues have to stream tight ends. Tight end position is ridiculous. It just gets more and more frustrating every year. And if you don't have one of the top six guys, which I would now include like Hooper and Waller, Kelsey, Ingram, Andrews, Kittle, and maybe you could say perhaps now Hunter Henry, now that he's back. If you don't have one of those guys, you're streaming. So that's like half of our league. Half of our league is just having to guess. And it's disappointing because we expected players like Zach Ertz or Eric Ebron or Delaney Walker... Um, Jared Cook, even after his uh, being traded, or moving free agency to New Orleans, we expected a lot more out of Vance McDonald in Pittsburgh. We, we thought that some of these guys would be reliable top 12 tight ends, but it feels like there's only six that are reliable. Um, it's a huge advantage if you have one of those top six tight ends that you know you can start every week because you don't have to play the guessing game um, like I've been doing in many of my leagues where I don't have those guys. I know I've often guessed wrong this year, and particularly guessed wrong in, in leagues where I have both Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, and i got to decide between those two every week, and Goddard has outscored in the last few weeks, so it's, it's really frustrating. That's what I've noticed. Half of our teams are in the streaming game for tight ends, so good for you if you have one of those top six. So, uh, fourth thing that I noticed here is that two wide receivers are incredibly efficient again, again. Last year, I thought it was like a real anomaly that uh, Tyler Lockett and Michael Thomas had historic catch rates and touchdown rates. Uh, Well, they're doing it again. Normally, tight ends lead the league in catch rate, if you didn't know that, Uh, just because they run shorter routes in the middle of the field. They have smaller average depth of target or ADOT. Uh, This last year, though, Thomas and Lockett are among the top 12 in catch percentage. They're among the top 12. It's crazy. The other 10 in the top 12 are all tight ends. Lockett is catching 85% of his passes, and Thomas is catching 82% of his passes. And that, you know, through these many last weeks, coming from a backup quarterback until Brees came back this last week. Thomas is the number one scoring wide receiver on the year. He has 12 touchdowns, while Lockett is the number 11 scoring uh, wide receiver this year. He only has four touchdowns, but he's still number 11. He's a top 12 wide receiver, and these guys do it so efficiently. Uh, efficiently. These guys are breaking the efficiency models for the second year in a row. I'm starting to think that we should actually just come to expect it. Fifth thing that I noticed from this last year, or last week, rather, is that the rookie wide receivers score, and they establish some unique roles on their team, some pretty unique roles. So three rookie wide receivers scored in unique ways this last week, showing their promise um, and increasing their dynasty value, but in very different ways. So first we had Darius Slay, who caught two contestable deep balls for touchdowns uh, for the New York Giants. Uh, this guy was mostly an undrafted uh, rookie in our, in our rookie draft picks, uh, but now he's proven to be like a deep ball specialist in New York. Then you've got D.K. Metcalf, who just had three catches, speaking of efficiency with Russell Wilson. He had three catches for just 13 yards, but two of them were touchdowns. And so you look at his role really becoming unique, that he's becoming a red zone target in Seattle, much like we expected. Those were very short passes that they targeted him. Uh, Thought We all kind of thought this was going to happen with his frame, that he kind of do what Jimmy Graham did as a tight end there several years ago and just continue to catch touchdown passes. Well, he's starting to move into that role. And third rookie that you have is you have Debo Samuel. He had three catches for 19 yards last week, but what he had was two carries for 29 yards and a touchdown. And so he's become a wide receiver screen pass target. He's kind of the gadget guy now in San Francisco. Uh, man, these are just three really uh, talented rookies that are making a different, uh, making a difference in very different ways. Metcalf's the most reliable in his role, I think. Uh, but Slayton and Samuel could start to see their, their roles grow as the year progresses. All three are impactful players on their teams and definitely fun rookies to have. Let's move on now to the injury report. For week number eight, just kind of give you a little thought about some of the dynasty value of these players as they become injured, it also gives us a chance to think, too, not about just dynasty, but what, what does this mean for our players in this year? So there were a few key injuries that will, will affect player values uh, this year, and a few that I think may affect to dynasty values in the years to come. Royce Freeman and Miles Sanders uh, suffered shoulder injuries, but both of them seem to be on track to play this week, so I didn't list them here. Uh, these injuries are the ones that I think could impact teams in coming weeks. So first is James Conner. Uh, he did he had a great game on Monday night, but end of the night wearing a sling due to shoulder injury, right? So far, he's been day-to-day, hasn't practiced, though, and it appears that he'll miss a week or two. Uh, I don't think this affects his dynasty value at all. Uh, I still believe that he's a way better all-around back than Jalen Samuels or Benny Snell, who also got hurt. Um, that said, in the short term, Samuels can really fill in fine for Conner. He did it last year. He's uh, been shown that he could do it this year once, and one one time when Connor was injured a little bit too, um, but I still love Connor as a dynasty value way more than Samuels. So Samuels will get a short spike in value that could be good or make him more tradable. Uh, maybe you want to try to actually trade him to a, a Connor owner. That's a good strategy. Find the guy who's missing a player and then try to trade while he is in need. That'd be something you could do as well. Uh, next guy is Brandon Cooks. Man, this is so sad. Cook's had another concussion on Sunday, which makes it three in the last year and a half. Um, he's seeing a specialist this week during their bye week, but it's really starting to be a concern. I believe this does actually affect his dynasty value, which actually had been dropping in recent weeks. If you've been following, I've been kind of writing about my frustrations with Cook's and how he's just moving further and further back in my rankings this year. Um, his value is already dropping just because Cooper Cup and Gerald Everett are getting so, so much involved in the offense. Um, I think that his streak of 1,000 yards receiving is definitely going to come to an end this year, whether he stays injured for a few weeks or not. Uh, So his value is dropping from a dynasty standpoint, for sure. I love his talent, and I believe in him more than most people do. I love that he's actually so young, uh, bought him on a lot of teams uh, over the last couple years, and so this has been uh, pretty sad to see him fall. I think he's going to miss several weeks just to get right with whatever happens with these concussions. So it's going to hurt us in the, in the uh, short term, but I think it's really a long-term hurt to us as well. Next guy I was going to mention was Matt Breida, but now it's, uh, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon and now it looks like Matt Breida's fine, so he's going to play uh, this week. I wasn't sure about that for him, but he's doing Matt Breida things where he just gets injured and you always think he's out and he comes back, just like he did all the time last year. So let's move on to Chase Edmonds. Uh, Edmonds took advantage of the David Johnson injury last week and became a star and uh, got into the starting lineups this, you know, this last week. But then he was a dud after he hurt his hamstring early in the game, so that was pretty frustrating. Uh, Arizona traded, of course, this week for Kenyon Drake, uh, which damaged uh, the dynasty value of Edmonds a little bit for sure, although Drake is just on a one-year contract, so he might not even be with the team next year. Um, I think that uh, this being injured, I would hold off on starting Drake this week uh, but I know some, some managers are just going to be in a position where they have to. I know someone's starting Drake uh, against me in one of my leagues this week just because his team is, is thin at running back. and These injuries are affecting people. I think as the Arizona backfield gets more cluttered, I just start to downgrade the value of everybody, all of their running backs, Johnson, Edmonds, and Drake, uh, for this year. Of course, Johnson's value is still going to remain high just because he's proven it before. Edmonds is still a pretty high-ranked back, backup Drank I think, is just a one-year rental. I don't think that he'll be with Arizona next year. You'll hear me say that again here in a moment because he was part of one of the trades in my league. Next, we move on to D.D. Westbrook. Uh, started the game, but was quickly removed, giving his owners a headache. I know I had him on in one of my lineups. It's frustrating when you see someone in your lineup, and they're out, like after the first possession, basically. I still believe in Westbrook, and I see him as a clear number two behind D.J. Shark, although Conley has sure played well in D.D. D.D.'s absence. And so uh, he's probably going to continue to do so, but I think he'll just do so this year. I really still like Westbrook's uh, dynasty value and don't think that it will change much, um, nor does Conley's or Charks. Both of them are still uh, increasing in their value uh, because of the great play of Garner Minshew. Last guy that I'll mention here is Mr. Joe Flacco. Man, it's hard to know if Flacco is really injured or not, right? So he went on, if you don't know, he went on a bit of a rant this week about the coaching decisions, and then suddenly he's like on the injury report. So it's surprising since their rookie, Drew Locke, is not yet ready to play. So Flacco's dynasty value is already about dead, so it doesn't really say much. There's not much to talk about in dynasty value with him. But it does, however, affect uh, the past catchers, the receivers, and tight ends in Denver. I think that they're going to lose some value in the short term. They're just not going to be as good as they were this year. You get like a breakout guy like Cortland Sutton, who is playing so well, uh, and it's going to hurt his value this year, but certainly not uh, long term. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton maybe gets a little bit of a rise after the trade for um, Sanders, but then now that Flacco's out, you don't think he's going to do as well. And Noah, Noah Fant, um, his value just drops a little bit, but it's already been dropping a little bit, speaking of drops, because he drops so many balls. As for Denver's running backs, Royce Freeman, Phillip Lindsey, uh, will lose a little value this season, but I don't think that it should affect their dynasty value much at all. Um, I'd hold Denver's running backs if I had them would, would not try uh, to, to I would not not try to buy or sell them I just kind of wait and hold on the running backs there they're going to continue to do what they do split about 50 50 and you never know which one's going to score the touchdown so we'll see how what happens there in Denver with Flacco as for uh, waiver wire moves uh, this week I like to always just mention a few players that I went after just in case they might still be on your rosters or on your waiver wire rather as a reminder I do play in dynasty leagues that are 27 to 30 players are, are rostered on our teams and so um, I made very uh, few moves this week um, because it was just really bad. It felt like the waiver wire this week was, was extremely bad. But I'll list a few guys here that I did make claims on um, and a few that I thought about but actually didn't, <laughs> so you'll see uh, from that. First guy that I would after this this week was Hunter Renfro. Uh, Renfro had his first touchdown catch of the year this week in addition to his highest snap count of 64%. Makes me think that he's actually going to start to be even more involved in the passing game there. In Oakland, uh, he doesn't seem to have lost snaps after the addition of Zay Jones, who actually got a little bit more playing time this last week uh, after he got traded from Buffalo. I think he's worthy of a pickup, pick but only in PPR leagues. Um, I think he could be a guy that can kind, of, kind of fill in on bye weeks for you, kind of a back of, you know, back of your roster when you know, get injuries or have a bye week or something like that that he could fill in as a wide receiver three in a PPR league. If it wasn't a PPR league, I don't think that I would um, – Pick him up. I don't think he'll ever become a fantasy every week starter. That's what I mean by that. He's just kind of the back of the roster. Second guy that I made some claims on was Josh Reynolds. Um, I actually already have Reynolds in a lot of my leagues, and he was actually only available in uh, two of my leagues. So a lot of smart rosters, kind of smart smart owners, already had them on their rosters, um, like I did in a lot of cases. But I did try to get him in the leagues where I didn't, and I was not able to pick him up. Um, I think people that have them on on their rosters this long like I have, they're thinking Um, long-term. Obviously, he's not getting a lot of playing time behind uh, Cooks, Woods, and Cup. But the second one of them goes down, like when Cooks went down early with a concussion, Reynolds comes in and did well and had, I think, 73 yards and a touchdown. So he knows how to come in and fill all those roles on that team. That's why I've held on to him just in case any of those Rams receivers gets injured. He becomes pretty valuable. He did it last year. Uh, I think he can do it again. With a Cook's injury and uh, things like that that we think might linger for a while, Josh Reynolds could help in the short term, but uh, really could help in the long term. He's definitely a guy that's worth holding. Third player that I made some uh, claims on in one league was Danny Amendola. Amendola was only available in one of my leagues, much like Josh Reynolds was only available in two. I did make an offer on him in that league, and I did get him. Uh, like Renfro, though, I only see this as a short-term, kind of bi-week you know, type of play, and only in PPR leagues. I don't think he's going to be scoring many touchdowns, but he can rack up the yards, and he definitely racks up the catches. Um, Detroit right now is going to have to become more of a passing team since Kerryon Johnson went down, and so I think for the rest of this year, he's definitely a guy worth picking up that could fill in, kind of like I mentioned with Renfro, fill in when you've got guys on bye weeks. Uh, Danny Amendola is catching seven, eight passes a game, so PPR leagues, definitely worth a pickup. Fourth guy that I'll mention that I actually did not make any offers on, but I knew a lot of people would, is uh, Trey Carson. Uh, It seems like Ty Johnson was the number one waiver wire pickup last week after after carry on Johnson went down, but no one expected Trey Carson, who was signed off the Packers practice squad, um, to play as many snaps as they did. Um, So I believe in Ty Johnson uh, more this year, and so I really wasn't willing to make a play on Carson, even though statistically he did just as well um, as Johnson, and I believe actually had more carries for this first week. Not more snaps, but more carries. Um, so I did see that he was picked up in, in almost all of my leagues where he wasn't rostered. So others took stabs at him. I really wasn't ready to do so. Finally, let's talk some Week 8 trades. We had some pretty fun trades. Um, I think it's the time of year when owners are deciding right about now if they're going to make a run you know, for the playoffs and uh, try to acquire players or if they're actually headed into rebuild, mold, rebuild mode and uh, try to see if they can get um, a few um, players and or draft picks While they sell players, so you'll see that in a couple of these trades that went down in my leagues. First one's kind of a weird one. First trade that went down was Sam Darnold was traded for Marcus Mariota in a twenty twenty third. I really like the Sam Darnold side of this trade. Um, That was a perfect time to try to trade for him after he of course of course was quote seeing ghosts in New England. Everyone's been seeing ghosts in New England this year, so definitely uh, wise to go after Sam Darnold after a horrible game that he played. But Darnold's going to get uh, years to prove himself with the Jets, and I, I still really like his talent, have him ranked pretty high. Um, I, th- I think that uh, this kind of selling, um, trading too many players like this, I think he's not going to lose his job in New York while Mariota has already lost his job in Tennessee, so that makes this you know kind of a win for me on the Darnold side. I don't think Mariota's going to be starting for any team next year. Um, as for the 2023, uh, you, you never know what that's going to turn into, so, I'm glad that at least the guy that sold Darnold, who actually had several good quarterbacks on his roster, that's why he's willing to part with Darnold. Um, at least he got this third round draft pick out of it. But, man, I would go for Darnold rather than Mariota in a 2023. Next is uh, Darren Waller. Darren Waller was traded as a big trade in one of my leagues, um, just got traded today for Marquise Brown, Eric Ebron, and a 2023rd. You're going to see all these involve 2023s, but here we go. We get Darren Waller, Mark for Marquise Brown, Eric Ebron in the 2023. So here's the deal behind this one: the team that traded Waller is three and five, and he's realistically out of the playoff race. And then the team that acquired Waller really has the best roster in the league. Actually, one of the best rosters of any of my leagues. I looked at it today and was like, "Good grief, this guy's got a great team." So he's definitely posturing himself for a playoff run. Waller's much more consistent down the stretch than Ebron would be, so this is definitely a win-now move uh, for this team. Overall, however, I would say that I like this move the, uh, for the other team better. He sold Waller at his high point and got a great return for it. I actually have Ebron tw- ranked number 12, just two spots behind Waller, who I have ranked number 10 in my dynasty rankings so far. Um, so I don't see um, a big, as big a difference between those two tight ends just in and of itself. And then you add to that Marquise Brown. Like when Marquise Brown is not injured, which you have to admit happens often, he's often injured already. Um, but when he's not, he's been a startable player. Like you start him in your lineups, and this is of course just his rookie year. So he should get better if he can stay healthy. Add to that the twenty twenty third round pick that you got this in, in this trade, and I really like this side of the trade for a team that's three and five, uh, selling an asset but getting these three back: Marquise Brown, a very capable Eric Ebron and picking up a third. Um, I like that side of this trade. That said, if the Waller owner does go on a championship run, uh, he's going to think that it's well worth it. He's not going to mind whatsoever. Third trade that happened in one of my leagues was Kenyon Drake and Emmanuel Sanders was traded for Alexander Madison and a 2023rd, another 2023rd, right? So Kenyon Drake and Emmanuel Sanders for Alexander Madison and a 2023rd. Here's the situation with this, this league. Uh, both of these teams are 5-3 and three and should compete for the title this year. But the team that acquired Drake and Sanders uh, has a much thinner roster. And so he really needed Drake this week, given David Johnson's injury, who he also has on his team. He's also very thin at wide receiver, too, which is why I think he was willing to trade for an aging Sanders, who, who did look great in his first game after being traded to the 49ers. you got to admit that he did look good. So I think that this team was just trying to get some immediate help, whereas the other 5-3 and three team is, has much more depth at both running back and wide receiver. So he was willing to part with Drake, who would probably never start for him, uh, and with Sanders, who may have had some spot starts for him. But he was willing to part with both for Madison in a 2023, especially because he has Dalvin Cook. So what he did essentially is he's locked up the Minnesota backfield, which we all know is one of the best, um, one of the uh, league's best handcuff situations. Uh, Cook does have an injury history, but he's played so great this year, not been hurt. But if he does, man, Madison's looked great and the time that he's played, too. And so this is why I think this owner was willing uh, to do this trade to lock up the Minnesota backfield for what looked to be Madison. I I wouldn't call him an equally talented back to Cook. That would be unfair. But if Cook were to get hurt, Madison would still be an every week starter, I believe, in our dynasty lineups. So um, I really uh, favor the Madison side of this trade a little bit more because I don't believe in Drake. Um, I believe he's only a half-year rental for Arizona, and he's probably going to be a backup on another NFL team next year. Now, Sanders does become the number one wide receiver in San Francisco, which looks like he already is after one week on the team. Uh, But if he can do that beyond this year by beating out the young wide receivers who I really love, that would be uh, Debo Samuel and Dante Pettis, then I could think differently about this. Um, But I actually don't believe that he can do that. I think that I, I believe in Samuel and Pettis so much that I'm not sure that Sanders can do it after this one year. So give Pettis, give Samuel a little bit more time, and let's see if they can become, uh, really the one of them, become the number one target there in San Francisco. Fair trade. I see what both people were trying to do, but I favor the um, Alexander Madison in 2023 side. Very good. Well, that's a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. As always, I want you to make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's. I'm much better on email than I am on Twitter, so dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Would love to answer your questions, hear about your teams, look at your roster. That would be really fun for me, so reach out anytime. I pride myself on returning every email, so email me anytime. Love it if you would take time to give us a review in Apple Podcasts. That would be great for uh, our website as we're an independent podcast. Hope that I can become your most trustworthy and independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Thanks so much for listening. You know what to do until next time. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league.